John chapter 15. John 15. As you're turning there, I also just want to announce that we do have that fishing trip September 11th. Um, it's going to be early, early in the morning. And um, we're only able to fish till 2 um, for Sturgeon for keeping it. Um, well, if you plan on going, there is a sign-up list back there. Um, please sign up today if you plan, um, plan on going. And if you're able to have, um, pay by next Sunday, because um, we're going to start. So far, we just have one boat filled up, but we have two boats reserved. And so um, we're going to start inviting others um, outside of our church, inviting some of our friends, family. Uh, Matt and Katie, they're, they're not here today, but Matt mentioned he... Um, has some friends, family members that might be able to come to fill in spots if we don't have them filled yet. And so that'll be September 11th, but if you can pay for it by next week's $200. I know it's a, and costly, but um, it's gonna be the time of the men um, going fishing together. That'll be a lot. I know we could maybe do another time where it doesn't cost them just go on their own. Um, but um, I know sturgeon, going fishing for sturgeon where you're allowed to keep it, it's very rare, and so we're going to take this opportunity and spend time with one another. But John chapter 15, John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. Every branch in me beareth, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the true vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me he can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, is I have loved you. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There, 
Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And we just pray, Lord, that um, from your word, we will be convicted to continue to abide in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here we see Jesus speaks about him being the true vine, and that my father is the husband. You know, a husbandman would be one that would uh, would plant, would um, dress up the, the vine, um, um, try, try to get it on, its, on the path he wants it to go on. In other words, he was a farmer. You know, a farmer of grapevines. And so he, 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 would, he would see that it would be taken care of, um, well taken care of, that would be nourished, that would get the nutrition that it would need. And so here Jesus calls his father the husbandman, that he is the one that cares for us. Or as um, Jesus speaks about elsewhere, about how the Lord is our shepherd, and I shall not once. Psalm 23 um, says that he cares for us, he tends to our every care. And Jesus says, he is the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, what's he mean by I am the true vine? Why does he just say I am the vine? Why is he specific that he's the true vine? Well, one, in religion, there's going to be many different vines. Many different things to try and be attractive um, to you. With, with a grapevine, it has grapes. If there were no grapes, it probably would not attract you. Well, different religions will have different things they will try to attract you with it, but Jesus is the true vine. Um, I believe it's also, in a sense, a referral um, to show a contrast to what God had said of Israel in Isaiah chapter 5. Go ahead and turn there. Um, and in Isaiah 5, Israel was called the vine. Isaiah 5 and verse 1. Because now will I sing unto my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My beloved have a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fixed it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked at it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked at it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned, nor dig, but there shall come up prayers and thorns. I will also command the clouds, that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression for righteousness, but behold, a cry. And so here we see that Israel was considered 
God's vineyard, the, the vehicle that God would work in, the vehicle that God wanted to use to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet we see that Israel hardened her heart. We see that there was a remnant that believed. You see the disciples, the apostles, they were, they were Jews, but the, overall, the state of Israel rejected the true vine, the true Savior. And so God, God had taken away that vehicle from Israel for the time being. You see, he cared for the vine. He trimmed it. He cut up branches that did not bear fruit. But eventually, God's vine, Israel, didn't generate and bore no fruit. Or bore wild grapes instead of the grapes it was supposed to bear. And he was grieved over the tragedy of Israel's fruitlessness. God had done everything he would to make Israel bear fruit. But Israel chose not to. So he took away his wall, left it unprotected. It was trampled down by foreign nations, laid to waste. Israel was no longer God's vine. It forfeited its privilege. Now that's not the end of the story. We read the rest of the Bible. You read, read in the prophets. You read in Revelation. Bible talks about how God will draw a remnant back from Israel and that all Israel shall be saved, that there will be the 144,000 Jewish male virgins that will go about proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we do see that in the end, in the midst of Jacob's trouble, which we call the tribulation period, there will be a turning of the Jewish people back to God. In the meantime, we see Jesus is specifically saying that I am the true vine. That this isn't going to be like the vine of Israel that it bore fruit for a while, but then it bore wild grapes, or then it became fruitless, and, and, and where God takes that away, but that Jesus would be the one that would continue to abide, that he is the true vine. No longer does blessing come through a covenantal relationship with Israel, but fruit and blessing comes through a connection with Jesus Christ. In verse 5, we see of John, um, chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I am him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. And so here Jesus saying, he's the, he's the vine, but he says, ye are the branches. And you are the branches. The branches. But what good is a branch not connected to the vine? Already, I just picked this this morning. Before I picked this, and shortly after, this stayed pretty straight up. Just a couple of hours, and it is already withered, already decaying. Every branch that bears not fruit, he takes away. He 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 purges it. You know the Bible talks about how um how our works will be tried by fire. That will be saved, 
Even if we don't have works that are pure before the Lord, but the works are burned so by fire. We're saved, but our works are burned out. But then there are those where the, 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 the works that we do, they abide through the fire. And we see that every branch that does bear fruit, that Jesus says, he purges of it, that it may bring forth more fruit, that he, pur he purges the branches. You know, he sees there's, there's a branch and he'll purge different parts of it. The, um, the, the different shoots um, so that it, uh, by taking away this from that is already dying shakes that off so that more fruit will bear on the branch it says ye are clean in verse 3 now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you in verse 2 it says, every branch that need to bear enough fruit, take it away. And every branch that bear fruit, he purge of it, that it may bring forth more fruit. The root word purge of here in Greek, and the root word um, clean here in Greek, they come from very similar root words. They're different words, but they're of the same family, so to speak. Can't even remember how it's said. Uh, no one want to butcher it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. It's, uh, I had him, I didn't write, write it down to phonetically speak it right. But that the root words are, are, are come from, are very similar um, of the same lineage, same lineage type, of same meaning to clean, to purge. Now, you know, to purge means to clean. And to clean would mean to purge out the old things, the rotten things, the dirty things. And so the way that the Bible is telling us that Jesus prunes us as his branches is through the word. That he cleans us through the word of God. That is the word of God is in us. The word that Jesus has spoken. That it helps prune things out of our life. As we read something, read one of the thou shalt nots, and then it brings conviction to our soul, and we live by that. He's pruned something out of our life that we may bear more fruit. Okay, take for example, say, say, take a couple that they both just recently got saved, and they started to read the Bible, they started to be in the Word, and maybe it was a couple that always fought, maybe there was a lot of pride. You know, the Bible says, only by pride come of contention. And so when there's that contention in the home, in the marriage, it's usually, it's only by pride. Okay? Okay? But as you get saved, I'm not saying you never fight, okay? I'm not saying it all becomes perfect. But you know, as you read the word and you apply the word, you learn to be humble. You learn to consider the needs of the other more than just your own. And then your marriage ends up bearing more fruit. It ends up being more fruitful as you abide in Christ. Pruning is necessary in our spiritual lives. And we see that the father is the husbandman, and he'll remove those things, the superfluous things that limit our fruitfulness. One of the best ways to cleanse us 
Besides the word, and the word is the number one way, is to cleanse us. But another thing he uses sometimes is trials in our life. He prunes us with a vine dresser's knife. Sometimes it hurts, and we wonder if he knows what he is doing. You know, there were certain dog breeds. Um, it, it'll be pretty standard for them to clip the dog's ears. And they'll say things like, you know, this isn't going to hurt the dog. It's not going to hurt. It's going to be a quick clip and it's going to be gone. We're going to clip the tail uh, on some of them and clip the dog the tail. Oh, it's not going to hurt too much. It's way good when they're young. But they're all lying. It hurts. Okay? doesn't matter how old you are. Okay? You get a piece cut off of you. It hurts. Now, it'll, it'll heal. Okay? And some degree doesn't grow back or anything there, but um, in that sense, but you know it hurts. You know, when God prunes us, there's gonna be times when it hurts. When God drags us through different trials, different sufferings that we go through, that it hurts. But unlike the dog with his ears and his tail, where the ears and the tail doesn't grow back. God desires fruit to grow, and more fruit to grow in our life. The vine dresser knows what he is doing. Spiritual pruning could take different forms. It could be sickness. It could be hardships. It could even be a loss of material possessions. It could be something that um, makes, forces us to try to have patience. So one thing is they never pray for. Don't ask God for patience. You don't know what trials he'll give you to give you the patience. And I'm not saying that's a true doctrinal statement. Hey, you know, you do want to have patience. You do want God to give you that spirit of patience to help you with it. But sometimes God will take things away to prune us. It could be persecution or slander from non-Christians. You know, it could even be gossip from other Christians. That, you know what, it hurts. But you know what, God is working in it to see your response. How, how you're going to react to it. It may um, be grief over the loss of a loved one. It could be a combination of difficulties. Whatever the method the effect is to narrow our focus and strengthen the quality of our fruit. Whatever the method of pruning God uses, we can be assured that He cares for us. That God loves us, that He wants us, He desires us to bear much fruit. He wants to free us from the shoes that drain our life and our energy, and He wants continuous care throughout our lives to keep us spiritually healthy and productive. But the vineyards, or the divine dressers, the husbandmen's, His pruning knife is the Word of God. The Bible talks about how the Word is as a double-edged sword. The knife of the word of God. You are clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. The Father uses the affliction that may happen in our life to help us become more responsive. You know, when we when we prune um, vineyards, you know, when we prune the vines, we prune the branches. 
or the trees, the apple trees, or the uh, plum trees, and you prune them, and it looks like you're destroying the tree. You know, I saw John, and he was showing me how, how to prune trees properly. I'm like, wow, you made it that bare? That bare? It's like, yeah. And you know, the next season, and produces more fruit. Now, seeing it for the first time that deeply, I would have thought, well, you're going to have very little fruit growth. You know, you cut so many branches off, there's going to be hardly anything left. But that's not how it works. Because of the pruning, it is able to bear much more fruit. God knows what he's doing when he is pruning us. When he allows us to go through the trials. When, when he convicts us through the word of God. God knows what he's doing. The Bible talks about the foolishness of preaching. That God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. You see, the unbelievers, the lost, they think we're foolish. You know, you come to church, get yelled at, and then you feel happy about it. That's how they say it. But you know, God chose the vehicle of preaching to bring conviction in our lives, to bring encouragement in our lives. It's not all yelling, amen? It's not all you do, right? Hopefully not. Okay? But the word preaching, you know, the Bible that says, you know what, um, tells the prophets, tells the preachers to try and cry aloud like a trumpet. And we didn't tell the preachers play the smooth sounds of a violin or the sweet sounds of a piano, but the loudness of a trumpet. God has ordained preaching. The proclamation of the word of God. You know, when we have a particular problem in our life, that as often when there will be a scripture verse that will speak loudly to us. That can be a passage you've read before. You've read the Bible through, perhaps you've read it through many years. And you've read it before, but you read it again, but it means more to you because of a problem you have going on in your life. Some sort of trial. And then it becomes applicable to you. Maybe it can, it can be a financial hardship. And then you learn about, you know, casting all your care upon him for he care for you. That, you know, as God takes care of the birds. And not one bird falls to the ground without God knowing. And how much more God cares for his children. You know, those things can become more meaningful to you. When you're going through that difficulty of being pruned. Charles Spurgeon said the word is often the knife with which the great husbandman prunes the vine. And brothers and sisters, if we are more, more willing to fill the edge of the word and let it cut away something that may be very dear to us, we should not need so much pruning by affliction. It is because that first knife does not always produce the desired result that another sharp tool is used by which we are effectually pruned. Spurgeon is saying that, you know, if God's given us this work, but so often we disregard it. We disobey it. You know, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's a challenging life. 
to transgress the word of God. And so if you don't use the word of God, well, it can be a clean cut, clean surgery that won't hurt this much. But when we disregard it, when we don't keep his word, that's when often the other trials and tragedies that end up happening in our life to draw us to them. Many Christians will pray like the anorexics eat hardly anything at all. They starve themselves. You know, we deny ourselves the nurture and power necessary to produce fruit when we neglect prayer. So Jesus speaks about asking what you will. We'll get there soon. But Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. Jesus likely chose the figure of the vine for several reasons. Think of the vine as usually not a plant that grows real high. Now it can if you direct it to do so, but typically it'll be kind of like on the fence, it'll be kind of, kind of, kind of low. You know what God's chosen for us, you know what, to be humble, to have a humility that pictures a close, a permanent vital union between the vine and the branches. Is symbolic of belonging because branches belong entirely to the vine. If branches are to live and bear fruit, they must completely depend on the vine for its nourishment, for its support, its strength, its vitality. And so often, many that call themselves Christians and may be a Christian fail to depend on Christ. Instead of being attached to the true vine, they're tied to their bank account. Others are attached to their education. Some have made vines out of popularity, fame, um, personal skills, possessions, relationships, or fleshly desires. Some think their church is their vine, but the church isn't the vine either. Jesus says, I am the true vine. So try to attach it to some religious system, but none of those things can sustain or bear fruit. Except maybe wild. The vine is Christ. And remember, you are the branch, not the vine. We learn that humility. It will help take us a long ways. We are branches, not the vine. Vine branches don't have to try to abide in vine. You think about the branches in the vine. It's not like you really have to try that hard to be in the vine. It kind of just naturally happens. The only way they become detached is when someone like me comes and cuts it. Okay? It's not the same with us. We are a strange kind of branches that are prone to wander. We detach ourselves and attach ourselves to other things. Saying put in the vine is something we must do to obey and abide. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. To abide is to be disciplined, to abide in him. But why are we prone to wander? To leave the vine that we love. Could be because we're easily deceived again in believing that we are to be the vines. That we need to be self-sufficient, self-dependent. If 
called for Satan's original deception, ye shall be as gods. That we think we've got to take care of everything on our own. When we need to learn to be dependent on Christ. Yes, in our work ethic and training in our character, we need to be self-sufficient. You know what? The government does not make a very good idol. Okay? We need God to be that behind us. And for us to depend on Him, but we work hard and provide in providing for our family. But the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Let's say we do this. Let's say we all sit around, gather around together, brainstorm, do some planning, come up with a strategy. And all work together in unison and say, branch, bear fruit. Okay, come on. Everybody work on it. Everybody try and make this branch bear fruit. Okay? You guys only want to try, huh? You know we can't. We cannot make this branch in of itself bear fruit. And we is the branches cannot bear fruit in of ourselves. We cannot produce fruit by ourselves. We're hindered. We're not connected to the source. We may be saved as far as our soul's concerned, but you know we're not abiding in Him in our walk. Jesus said, or James speaks of as many, or John, it was John that said it. They all said it similar, okay? It's different ways, okay? But John says, um, of those that are in Christ. Walk as he walked. And those that are in him, walk as he walked. And so we can try and think of all kinds of strategies. You know, I'm going to go do a leadership conference in October. And you know, I want to learn. I want to um, see things, how other churches do things and learn things. And those are wonderful things. We should sharpen one another. Okay? You know, we sharpen each other as a church. You know, other pastors also sharpen me. Going and seeing other churches, it sharpens me. However, in of itself, they cannot make me bear fruit. Jesus said it plainly. Abide in me, and ye shall bear fruit. Amen. Jesus made a way more simple. Abide in Christ, and we shall bear fruit. And won't bear fruit is that they abide in the vine. All you have to do is stay connected to the vine. You know what? A branch does not just say by itself, I am just going to bear fruit. All he needs to do is stay connected to the vine. And it's the vine gives the nutrition nutrients that the husbandman provides into the soil and everything. So then the branch bears fruit. And so all you have to do is abide in Jesus Christ. No more can he said you abide in me. It is impossible for the branch to bear fruit by itself if it's not connected to the vine. Without Christ we can do nothing but with God, all things are possible. You know, verse 5, Jesus says, He that abideth in me, and I in him. 
The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. Verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. God is glorified, Chris. Read the next verse. Herod is my father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And so I'm telling them that my words abide in you, and ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you, that you know when we pray and seek God's will um, in our prayer, and to understand when, you know, if we think something is, oh God, we think this will be great in your will. But we need to reserve ourselves, be like, God, thy will be done. You see, even Jesus, when he prayed to the Father, he asked, if it be possible, may this cup pass. In his humanity, so like if there is a way to save mankind, thou being crucified, thou the Father turning away from the Son in that moment on the cross. If it be possible, may this cup pass. He says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine. Jesus knew there was no other way. He knew he was the vine that the farmer would use to bear the fruit, for the branches to bear the fruit. But the Father is glorified to answer prayer. Think about that. God gets pleasure. To answer our you think about you know when your children they've been well behaved, they've been obedient, they've been disappointed. All right, what child are we talking about? <laughs> okay, yeah. There's seasons, right? There's seasons, you know, your children just doing well. And they make your request. If something is doable, that's going to be good for them, or maybe you're going to um, let them do some kind of activity, play some game, they've been well behaved. It gives you pleasure to answer their requests, to be a blessing to your children. You know what? It's a pleasure to God our Father for us to pray and to see the fruit of that prayer answered. God is glorified. But Jesus does say, continue ye in my love. And he says to you, so if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You know, you take a child when they're not being obedient, when they're completely disregarding you. And you can make you wonder, man, it's my child would love me. They just ignore everything I say. It doesn't mean they don't necessarily truly love you, okay, that at times, but at that moment, it does not feel like they love you. They are not following you. Everyone is for their own benefit. But Jesus says, you know, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And again, he 
know it. The Bible says elsewhere that his commandments are not grievous, but that his commandments are for our benefit. And he says that your joy may be full. In verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Your joy might be full. Jesus doesn't want us to live about our life in a chronic depression. There may be times where God may use that in our life to draw us back to Him, but He does not want to leave us wandering. Okay? He wants us to abide in Him. And when we abide in Him, our joy can be full. When we're following the Word, we're allowing the Word to begin, be that knife that prunes us, um, and that as we follow Him and obey Him, that His joy will remain in us. And then he tells us, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's one way the joy continues, is by loving one another. Jesus said, greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Okay, whereas we're servants of Christ, Jesus takes that much further and says, you know, I'm not going to call you slaves, okay? I'm calling you my friends. You know, you're going to know what I'm about. You're going to know what I'm doing. And then I'm here for you. And greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did for us. And laying his life down for us on the cross. He said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name. He may give it you. Jesus plainly says, You have not chosen me. I've chosen you. I've chosen for you what? To bear fruit. To bear fruit. God has chosen and ordained us to bear fruit. Now the Bible says that Jesus came not to be ministered to, but to minister. That he came to seek and to save that which was lost. In Romans 1, the Bible talks about how no man seek after God. They know the only reason when we start feeling that, we start feeling like we're searching for God, is first, the Spirit of God brings conviction upon us, draws us, and we respond to him first reaching out to us. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. It wasn't like one day we just said, man, I'm going to search for God. Because God sought us and he's chosen us and he's ordained us that we would bear much fruit. But that fruit depends on if we abide in him. Now I'm not talking about abiding in him to keep your salvation. Okay? 
How about, you know, if we need to be in Christ, period. You know, if we're not in Christ, then we are not His. You can't take a wild branch and try to put it into another branch, okay? As far as, if I, if I try to put this, this is actually a grapevine, okay? It has all these points. It's blackberry vine, but I'm not going to be able to go put this in the tree in our yard and then all of a sudden have life. We know it is branches. We need to be in Christ. And if we're going to bear fruit, we need to abide in Him. We're the branches. Our job isn't to produce the fruit. Our job is to stay connected to the vine. And the vine through us will bear the fruit. And part of bearing the fruit is obeying God's Word. We obey God's Word positive fruit will come from it. God is glorified when we pray. He's glorified to answer our prayer. Jesus says, you receive not because he asked not. To make your request be made known unto God. Let's go ahead and have a time of prayer. Jelly, if you can play a song back there real quick, if you can find one back there. But we'll just have a time of invitation. An altar call. And know God knows what's going on in your life. God maybe knows the areas that you haven't been abiding in Him. It's possible, you know, in some areas we have confidence, we trust in God, but then there's sometimes something else in our life that we're not really trusting Him. We need to give that over and abide in. And instead of worrying and fretting about our situations in life, be like, Lord, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. By me to abide in you. You said, by abide in you, it all bear fruit. All heads bowed. Eyes closed. If you want to come to the altar, you may do so. If you want to pray where you're at.